Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God actually uh, intends everything that we hear to be implemented in our life. And so this morning we looked at um, submission to God. And I thought, you know, tonight it'd be great to be able to take that thought one step further, look at submission from a different angle in the context of marriage. Because when it comes to submission in marriage, um, there's a lot of thoughts in and around what that really means. In actual fact, even hearing the word submission in the context of marriage may cause some of you just to stiffen up. You know, it, it's, not a, it's not a very nice word. It's become quite a dirty word in the context of marriage. And that's purely because the word submission has been taken out of context. And so tonight, with the help of my wife, we want to look at what submission in marriage looks like according to the Scriptures. And I'm going to ask Cass some questions and have a little bit of uh, a say on some of those things myself. And so it's going to be a real fun night, I believe. But to um, get things started this morning, oh, this evening, sorry, I'm just going to quickly read a portion of Scripture written by a man by the name of Peter. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 1 right through to verse 7. And it simply says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourself, there's that word, to your own husbands, so that any of them who do not believe the word may be won over without words by behaviour of their wives. And when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And then it says in verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live your lives. Uh, as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In this room, you're either married or you're not. It's as simple as that. You're either married or you're not married. And for all the married people here, I want you to listen up because this is definitely for you. But can I also say, for those of you who are not married, I know most of you who are not married would like to be married. And so the best time to ever get this kind of advice is before you're married. And so whether you're married or not married today, I want you to really lean in and listen up because this is the Word of God and we want to be very practical with it. I'm going to ask Kath to join me on stage right now. Would you please put your hands together for my wife, Kath? Take a seat, honey. This is Kath, the wife of my youth. We started dating uh, from the age of 14, way back in 1984. On the March the 17th, 1984, we were at the roller skating rink and I asked her if she'd go out with me and she said... Yes. 
and we've basically been together. She said it, she was much more enthusiastic back then. She really was. She was, she was so enthusiastic back then. Um, and uh, we've been together ever since. We dated for eight years, and then we got married on the 8th of February, 1992. Uh, so coming up for our 25th wedding anniversary. So that's kind of exciting. But been together for 32 plans? years. Plans? Got plans. I've got plans. I've got lots of plans. It's awesome. It's going to be fun. Be I'll like it. I hope you do. <laughs> It'll be great. So, um, like it. Welcome to the couch. And uh, we're going to just be talking about some of the great things in marriage, and uh, I want to pose a few questions to you, if that's all right? Sure. Yeah? Yep. Cool. Firstly, do you enjoy being married? I do. I love being married. You do? What do you like about being married? I get to spend time with you. Oh. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's a good answer. I like that. Fantastic. <laughs> I like it. It wasn't one of the questions I had, but it's just no? one of those spontaneous thoughts, which is just kind of... <laughs> Kind of cool. I think that's the way tonight is going to go. Um, but I will, I will ask you um, this particular question that I have. Um, why do you feel, as a woman, that submission is such a dirty word? Submission, a dirty word. Well, I think uh, to start with, we have to understand that history has proven that authority can be misused and abused. And uh, I just want to start by saying this. I understand that there's possibly some women who are here tonight that... Again, as Tony mentioned, the word submission, as soon as you say it, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because you have been uh, mistreated and it has been, uh, you've been dealt a poor hand either by a husband or perhaps a father figure or some other male authority figure in your life. And I just want to say from the get-go that I'm, I'm deeply sorry that you have had to suffer that. It's not the heart of God. It's not God's intention when he talks about submission. But what I have learnt is that the answer to abuse is not no use, but correct use. And so hopefully in some of the things we answer today, it will help allay some of those things. So we, we totally understand and feel empathy for your pain and your mistreatment, but we trust that you're in a place where healing can come and you can actually see modelled and experience what true godly submission is. So I think it's a dirty word because it has been misused, but... I also think we have a wrong understanding of what submission is. A submit, according to the dictionary, is to yield oneself to the will of another. And often we misinterpret or interchange the word submit with the word submissive. And see, submissive says of lesser importance. And sometimes I think we, when people say submit, and maybe it's based on our history and things that have happened to us or just poor learning, we then interject into submit or it's subservient, which means of lesser importance. And so submit, uh, submitting means I have to see myself as being less important. And that's not, that's actually subservient, which has got nothing to do with submitting. And often when we have that wrong mindset or that wrong interpretation, it can lead to two ways that we then would respond. The first one is we respond out of just low self-esteem. We just think, well, actually, I am less important. I'm not uh, good. I'm not capable. So I will submit out of that. Or if you're anything um, different, you just go, well, you know what? I'm not of lesser importance. So what happens is my uh, the other response is rather than submitting um, out of low self-importance, what we do is we rebel against submitting because we just go, well, I'm not less important, so there's no way I'm going to submit. And both of those are wrong. So I think that's why the word submit gets a bad rap because of history and because of our misinterpretation of what it actually really means. Yeah. 
I don't know if you remember this, but uh, on our wedding day, uh, we were having a great time and uh, going through our vows. And uh, when it came to the part whereby Kath said, I promise to love, cherish, honour and obey, one of her friends that she was working with uh, freaked out. She could not believe that you, of all people, would agree to obey a man. Yep. Why do you think she had that reaction? Do you remember that? Yep. Uh, that was one of the first things, actually, after you get, you know, you get out of the church and everyone's throwing confetti and uh, they're taking photos before we'd even left the church ground. She said to me, I cannot believe you said obey. And I was like, what, what's the issue? She goes, you, you said obey. I'm never going to say obey in my wedding vows. Well, I actually saw uh, her only three weeks ago. Uh, she is, what am I, 47? She must be 53. Five, I think now, she's still single. And so I'm just like, you know what? She had this interpretation that obey meant that I gave up all rights, I gave up all that, you know, for, in her mind, it was obviously you, you've just relinquished all control. And uh, just, it's, again, it's just an, uh, a wrong interpretation of what that is. And she obviously had a perception of me and it just crossed her paradigm of how can you, I work with you, I know how you operate, I know how you work and how we interact, how you interact with patients and I cannot see you obeying. You said obey and um, I think she's just in that first category of really having a misunderstanding of what it means to obey and submit, especially in terms of marriage and I have to think that potentially that's probably been one of the things that has held her back from where she could actually be today because of that wrong mindset. It's just a warning to all of us. If we want to hang, we, we have the ability to hang on to some of our little um, soapboxes and some of our little things, but if you hang on to those, it could be at the detriment of what God is actually trying to do in and through your life. I actually think she was really surprised that you of all people would say obey because she knew you quite well because she'd worked with you for a number of years and she saw you as a strong person. And not, not just a, a, a pushover. Uh, some people might think, I, I could see why you would say obey because of your personality. But those of you who know Kath, she, she's not your typical subservient woman. She's very strong. She's very capable in her own right. And that's why I think she's actually an authority to speak on this. And so I'm going to try and do as little talking as possible and let her talk because she's pretty good at this. And... Uh, I think we're all going to be blessed. So I've got a few questions for you. Is that okay. all right? Yep. And uh, we're going to look at six questions about submission and then a couple <laughs> of our own thoughts about that after and then we're done. Okay. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Cool. So uh, my first question is this, and these are questions that we have made up based upon the questions we get asked year after year after year. So these are questions we've put together based upon what we get all the time. And so question number one is this, does submission mean agreeing with your husband on everything? Please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. I'm sorry, baby, but the answer is no. (laughs) Submission is not about agreeing on everything. I mean, in the mornings we've been doing our Straight Out of Context series, we're talking about context, and we have to understand the context of which this uh, passage is written, and it's Peter writing to a Christian woman who's married to an unbeliever. And um, uh, the Bible is clear on the fact that you can submit, but you don't have to agree or be in agreement with everything. And so, for example, um, 
you know, if I uh, was a Christian woman and my husband wasn't a believer and he said to me, you know what, I don't want you to go to church anymore, I can still be submitted to him, but I actually don't have to take that on as being that's what I'm going to do. And I think it comes down to how we respond and react um, in that situation. So what, what I would do is just say, you know what, honey, I love you. And I want to submit, and here, and I might give examples of, and here's where I submit and what, but on this instance, based on this, based on my beliefs and what Jesus has done for me, I can't in all integrity submit to that request of yours. Maybe we could talk about this further. And again, it comes down to, I wouldn't just go, there's no way and, and um, all hell will break loose at home. Submission, again, is an action and it's an attitude in how we do it. So it would be, hey, I love you. And maybe talk to me as to why you would come up with that conclusion. And maybe there could be some things that he may bring to my attention that I've maybe neglected and we, I could address those and still. So it wouldn't just be, okay, he said I can't go, so that's it. it and it wouldn't be, just said, don't you tell me what to do, it'll be okay. How can I, in a gracious way, let him know that I have to obey what God says about this and what you're asking me to submit to is counterculture to what God is asking me to do. Fantastic. I think it's a good point to note that for all the women here, you are a person in your own right yeah. and submission does not equal being a robot. Yeah. God gave you not just a body, but he gave you a mind. And uh, one of the things I've tried to do as a parent, particularly with our girls, is not just tell them they look beautiful, uh, but tell them that they're smart and they're intelligent and they can really construct sentences really well and they're very thoughtful because if we just uh, uh, affirm their body and their beauty, um, we're actually going to set them up for failure and we're going to suggest that they're only good for one thing. Mm. And so for every woman out here, I want you to know on behalf of Jesus, he loves you and he sees you more than just a body. You're a person in your own right who has a mind, a body good. and a soul and he wants you to exercise your mind, body and soul. Amen? That's good. Which brings me to my leading to my next question, which is very similar, but I'd like your thought yep. on it. It's simply this. Um, does submission mean you have to leave your brain at the altar? So you get married. The moment you say, I do, you just take your brain out and have a lobotomy and just put your brain down. No. 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 <laughs> you know, I always think um, we talk about the fact that we've been created in the image of God. And so God has a brain. And so I have a brain and you have a brain and then God doesn't just put a brain there so, well, we need a brain to survive, hey, let's face it, but we need a brain to be able to use and a mind to think and so just when you get married, it's not like I then just forget who I was or I have any say or anything um, to do. Uh, to do with that and I always love Lisa Bevere's uh, definition, she says, if if, man, if God could have the fullness of who he is displayed in man only, woman would never have been created. But it says that we're made in the image of God. And because when uh, God made man, he said, you know what, it's just not right. It's not all in that complete package. So he made women. And then that's why the Bible says that the two become one. So together we display the fullness of who God is. And so if I get married and then just say, well, I'm just going to leave my brain at the altar and not be who God has created to me to be, then I'm leaving an expression of God unexpressed, I suppose is a 
is a word to say. And so, no, you know what? We've been given a brain, I've been made in his image, I need um, to be able to use it. And often, you know, you hear men say, oh, well, I do all the thinking in this house. And I'm like, you know what? If that's true, then actually, one, it's in error, but two, you're missing out on something. If it's like, you know, honey, I do all the thinking, I'll do all of this, you just do what I say, when I say, and how I say it, um, you, you're robbing yourself. You, you really are missing out on an avenue and an aspect of the two becoming one and your wife bringing something to the equation that's needed for you. And so you're missing out. But also, girls, it's our responsibility too to bring that to the equation. We can't just defer back and just let him do that. And I think sometimes that's where the confusion is in learning that balance to how do I bring that? And that's why it's important for us to understand what submission is so that we don't go, well, I won't bring it because that's not being submitted and that's not what we're talking about. So if you were to ask me, and I'm glad you are, what does submission look like for the rainbows? Um, I just thought I'd just share a few things. And for me, it's really simple. And I have to say, the reason it is simple for me to submit is because of this guy here. And um, you know what? One of the first things I'll say to guys, if guys say to me, look, you know, I'm really struggling with my wife in terms of her wanting to submit me and getting her to do... I often will look over their shoulder and think, well, bud, I'm sorry, but I understand why she struggles to submit to you. Not saying that that's right. I'm just saying, actually, and I have to say that I can submit to my husband because he makes it easy. He's earned the right in these last 30-odd years of how he has led me, how he's loved me, how he's loved God, how he has paved a way. So for me, it really isn't an issue, but I understand why for some women it really is a struggle. And guys, rather than just saying, well, it's her, she won't submit, I think you've got to start with yourself and say, what am I doing that is unhelpful. And so sometimes I'll look at a guy's life and when you look over his shoulder and he's going this way one minute and then this way then and then this way and he's, he's inconsistent and he's um, up, hit, down or, or up one minute, down the next and all these things. And I think, you know what? No wonder she has struggled honestly to submit to the you the way you want. It's because you haven't done yourself any favours. And so in our household, it's easy for me to submit because of Tony's made it that way. And we decided long ago that when we first got married that at the end of the day, sometimes if we can't come to an agreement, so, and it's very, I've got to admit, I struggle to even think of some times when we haven't come to an agreement on something, but we just, just like when you said I do, when I said I do, it just meant I said I don't to some things. And we just decided that if we ever got to a point where we couldn't agree on anything, I would just defer to Tony's wisdom. And I, a little key on that, one thing I want to say is it hasn't happened very often, but when it has happened, I, my responsibility then is never to hold he, that against him either. So when, you know, let's just say we went with what he wanted rather than what I wanted, and if it didn't work, my responsibility then is not to go, well, if you'd you listened to me, we wouldn't be in the position we are. My responsibility is, you know what? That was, that was my responsibility and my right to defer. I submitted to that. We, so it's, it's like we made that decision. And so for us and for me, that's what um, submission. And in fairness, there's been plenty of times when Tony has deferred to my wisdom, you know, who often come home and say, we're working through this situation. What do you think, Kath? What would you do in this situation? Tell me why, why would you do that? And we would have a discussion. And he's not asking that because... 
he feels it's the thing to do. He's genuinely asking, what would you do there? You've got, again, that expression of God in you that I need you to speak into this situation. And again, I've been able to say, well, actually, you know what? I think I would do this, and this is why I think I would do that, and then be able to leave him to then make that decision. Remember, to understand the scriptures, we've got to know the context. And the context here of submission is in the context of men leading. Mm. And so if you're not leading men, you can't expect your wife to submit. Uh, see, good leadership um, is not about not listening. You know, good leadership um, doesn't even mean that you have to have the last word or you'll get the last word. That's not leadership. In actual fact, good leadership is acknowledging when your wife is right and you are wrong. And so that's leadership. It's being first. Leadership's all about being first. And it's the first one to say sorry. It's the mm. first one to acknowledge your mistakes. And so if you're, if you're looking for your wife to be more submissive, then you have to step up your game in the area of leadership. And I think uh, leadership's about taking initiative. Um, a good question to ask yourself is this. Who says let's more often in your relationship? And by that I mean, let's go out for dinner. Let's get our finances in order. Let's get to church early. Let's get healthy. Let's eat less junk food. And unfortunately, the person that uses the word let's most in a marriage is the woman, and that's wrong. Hmm. It should be the men taking the initiative and saying, hey, honey, let's do this. And I think that's just a great little uh, benchmark for us to put into practice when we leave this place. Because if it's a wife always saying let's, you're going to have a problem. Good. Can I, you asking me questions, can I ask you a question? Sure. Oh, good. Um, often, um, women often ask me, you know, like if, um, if a woman as submission... Are, in, in, when I try to submit, does that mean I shouldn't try and influence my husband? So in other words, you, you, do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Good. I <laughs> you do. speak my language. <laughs> <laughs> and to that I would simply say, no, a submissive wife, being a submissive wife doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to influence your husband. Again, if we go back to the context of the scripture, this woman is trying to have an impact and an influence on her unsaved husband. And if you were to ask her what she wants for her husband, she would want her husband to come to Christ. Mm. She would want her, uh, her lifestyle and what she's modelling to influence her husband. And so you can be very much in submission to your husband and yet desire to see him change and desire to see him influenced for the better. Amen? Mm. Um, submission is not trying to change your husband. Um, this thing of uh, you've got to stop trying to change your husband. Actually, actually that's, that's not biblical. You know, and when I say that, I'm not talking in the context of the little things that don't matter. Are you with me? Um, I'm not talking about like some little bad habit. Some of you ladies may just have to put up with the fact that the toothpaste tube will be squeezed in the wrong place for your liking. I wouldn't use up all my time, effort or energy trying to get your husband to change when it comes to how he squeezes the toothpaste tube. If you want to, that's up to you. But that's not what I'm talking about yeah. when it comes to influence. I'm talking about the influence and impact that we would like to have on those that we love, be it our husband and or wife and or children 
and or friends at any level, if you truly love someone and you see that they are doing something that's hurtful and harmful, uh, it's not love unless you try to influence them for the good. And so I think uh, for every woman out there, I, I, I want to validate you. I want to empower you not to back off in trying to be an influence in your husband's life in areas that are really detrimental to your marriage and detrimental to his well-being. So all power to you in trying to bring that influence. Having said that, clause, small print, <laughs> how you do it is all important. Um, it's not being an, an old nag and it's not bringing up over and over again. Maybe the influence is just praying about it um, and, and, and maybe it's just bringing it up at the right time, uh, recognising his love language. Again, if uh, you've never uh, read that little book, The Five Love Languages, um, it's not an exact uh, uh, model, but it's a, it's a good example. It's a good picture to follow. Knowing your husband's love language or your wife's love language can make life at home a little bit more peaceful. And so using the love language and the right time, the right attitude, the right way, hey, by all means, go for it and influence away. Mm. Good. Do you want to add to that or are you happy? No, I think that, I, again, no, I don't want to take it off track, but the responsibility on us girls, we can get very... You can hear that and we're very good at just moving into manipulation and it's not a sign of manipulation that, oh, I'm going to manipulate to get in what I'm wanting out of that. It's about, you know what, this would be better for him and so what can I do to bring that about? But that whole scripture just says, who knows that the way you live may point him to Jesus. So it's not about going, don't do that, don't do this, change this, change that. It's about, you know what, if I forgive when he does the wrong thing for me, if I extend grace, if I don't jump on him about that but do this or do that or get involved in his, that then may bring about change and so that's how I'm affecting change in my husband's life and trying to influence him rather than I'm trying to shape him for my benefits always about his and it's just that fine line of we're very good at being manipulative. It's just the warped sense of some of the other great qualities that God's placed Would you have a couple of examples of what manipulation would look like for the average woman <laughs> that wasn't in my notes so I'll get that one in there just. well again I think one of the obvious ones especially in the context of marriage is um, physically yeah, we can, if we're feeling hard done by if we're feeling we want to get our way we can withhold affection we can hold, withhold uh, sex things like that we would use to manipulate our husbands into doing the things that we want, but it's it's even bigger than that. It's just, um, I'm just trying to think. Maybe you should tell them some of the things I do that would help. I'll think about it. Manipulate. No, that's good. That's good. I, I think that that thing of uh, intimacy is a big one. Yeah. And uh, again, I would say, ladies, don't don't use. Uh, a lack of intimacy in your relationship to manipulate and influence your husband in that way because it's not going to go well. Mm. It's just not going to go well. Shall we move on? Sure. Question number four. Is submission putting the will of God, sorry, the will of the husband before the will of God? Uh, in short, no. No. We are, you know, Christ is our Lord. Jesus is our Saviour and it's his will before anything else. So if... You know, if your husband's asking you to do something that's contrary to what the Bible says, to what the God, uh, to what God says, then you don't submit to that. 
So if I said to you, hey, babe, I love you, you love me, things are going well. Hey, why don't we go rob a bank? What would you say? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say as long as I can drive the getaway car. Because <laughs> <So laughs> then you might get caught, not me. <laughs> and then I say, I don't know, never seen him before. <laughs> It was a silly example, so I got a silly answer. Good point. Okay, what about cheating on your taxes? No. Again, it's not godly. It's not. The but if way say I enforced it as a husband, said, no, honey, we're going to do this. Then I would, again, in a way that I would want to bring to you my concerns about that. You know, I don't, I wouldn't fight and well, just say, can we have a conversation about this? This is concerning to me and this is why. And then I would probably ask you, why do you feel that? How can you do that? Um, and then if it comes down to your doing that, because you'd have to fill out your own tax return, again, I'd be going, it's not my tax return. <laughs> I'm not doing it on mine. <laughs> so, and then, may, then maybe I'd ring, no, I don't get anything if you go to jail, do you? No. <laughs> Is there a reward for dobbing in you? <laughs> uh, there we go. Again, the, the, the concept is that that's not the right thing to do. So I don't want to just go, no, that's ridiculous and you're stupid and that's not blah, blah, blah. And don't you know how that makes me feel? Again, that's all about me. When we talked about influencing our husbands, it's about their change. So I want to have a, a gracious conversation to try and explain my point of view and not an attack, and I think that's where we go wrong because we just come uh, guns blazing and we come full frontal attack, just like I'm going to have my say rather than let me cross over to where you're coming from. Can I then cross you over to my concerns? And I might say, it. well, have you thought about if you got caught what that could mean for our family? And so you want to cheat on our taxes because you might get 20 bucks more but how would that look if you get found out and then you go to jail and then where does that leave the kids and myself? And where, You know what I mean? I would approach it in that way, more gracious and about, you know, why would you want to do that and what's happening rather than just, no, we're not doing that and that's not. One quality I really admire about Kath is, and I call her uh, as a term of endearment, my letter of the law girl <laughs> because uh, she just holds me... I see how it's a term of endearment, but... <laughs> because you stopped me going to jail... <laughs> It's not true. You wouldn't do anything to go to jail. But just, just, just the little things. Just, just little. Even like, even in Bali, when they're selling all their cheap DVDs, Kath's Kath got a real thing about you know not wanting to buy those things because that's pirating. And, and how would you like it if you made a film and everyone pirated your film? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I just want to enjoy Bali. <laughs> and I, I really admire that quality about her. And so again, you know, I, I trust the girl power is rising. Um, what advice would you give to the young girls who are maybe dating or, yep. you know, are gorgeous and are drawing the attention of boys and, and they're putting some proposals and, and yep. uh, propositions towards them? What would you say there? Again, I think it's the same because if, if your boyfriend or the guy that you're um, just developing friendship with is asking things of you that are contrary to what the Bible says, if he actually has the affront and the confidence to ask you before you're even married, to me it's a warning sign. If he's doing it now, how much more when you're married? And, you know, so again, they're the little things you just got to say. And again, you can have the conversation, but 
I, actually, no, I don't even think you'd have to have the conversation. I think before you're married, you can actually say, Oi, stop. That's the, I don't even think you have to be gracious. Because I just think you're just going to say, no, we don't discuss this. We don't even talk about this. This is a no-go zone. So if you're talking about, if your boyfriend's saying, well, if you love me, you know what, and we're going to get married, so maybe we can have sex already. It's just not a, oh, listen, I understand where you're coming from. It's just a no. (laughs) My Bible tells me no. We've actually told our girls that they can punch, kick, and slap. It's okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No, seriously, that, that thing on, you know, and, and again, the, the Christians come off looking pretty prudish and, and 1800s, but honestly, the, this whole thing of, you know, abstaining from sexual intercourse before marriage uh, has a design attached to it. And one of the designs among many is a young girl needs to know that a young man will respect her no. Yes. Yep. And if you are interested in a guy that will not respect your no, he's not the boy for you. Because if he won't respect your no as a single person, he won't respect your no as a married person. It is a red light. It is a massive warning. Run. We've even... Um, they were going to clap for that bit. They were going to clap. I don't think it's off, it's not off point, but we've even done that with the girls in terms of with dad. You know when you tickle your kids? So you're tickling them and they're laughing, they're going no. And we've taught our kids that when they say no, we stop. Because sometimes it's funny to keep going because they say no, but we want to teach them the power of no. So you can be tickling Bailey and, she, and she's got such an infectious laugh. You want to keep going. She laughs. We go... <laughs> Totally off subject. When we were away this week... That's we what went... women do, fellas. Just go with it, okay? <laughs> I took Bailey while Tony was relaxing and resting. I took her to SeaWorld. And, you know, they do all the little shows. They've got the sea lions and the dolphins. And, you know, the guys would say, hey, crowd, do this. Well, I've... you call me letter of the law, girl? I mean, she does everything they said to a T. So if he said, do this, she'd go, woohoo, and do this. So... <laughs> so we've... And Bailey's got this infectious laugh. And so it's very easy to... You're tickling her and she'll say no to want to keep tickling. But we've, we've tried to say to our girls, you know what, your no means no. So if, they, if they're laughing, ha ha, no, then we stop. And sometimes we have to keep each other accountable and say, she said no, because we're wanting to, for them to understand that no, no does mean no. And if I want to say no, so that if anyone crosses that boundary, that's, my dad has shown me that no means no. And if you're not respecting my no, then you're not somebody I need to actually spend time or go any further in this relationship. She's good. She's great. Question number five, does submission mean getting her spiritual strength from her husband? Again, the answer is no. You know, I love Tony um, and we think we've got a lot of the same interests. We think a lot uh, alike. We, we do life together. We work together. And the danger is that I can put Tony in a position that only God is supposed to feel. And we have to understand that, you know what, there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in my heart that only God can fill. And then there's a responsibility of me to have a relationship, my own relationship with God, not through Tony. So there'll be some things that, and it was really hard, I think, in the beginning when we first planted the church and we were newly married and, you know, you're trying to find your feet. And I would often go to Tony and just say, well, you know, so if, if something went wrong or whatever, ah, and this, I'm struggling with this. And in the end, Tony, in leading me, he would say, you know what, girlfriend? 
there's a spare room there. He said, go in that spare room, get on your knees and get before your father and get the answer from him. And he's been very good at pointing me back to my true source, which is my heavenly father. And which I think we've seen in these last three or four months, where actually I haven't had the luxury to be able to go to my husband on this and that because he's been fighting for his life in certain situations. I've had to find, so that's been set up for me way back in the early days. And I think that is a danger because we do life together. You love, and, you know, sometimes we're just inherently lazy. And so I got my first answer and then it's just easier to get, you just tell me what to do. You just tell me what to say. You just do this. And that's not how God, and I've, what I love about God is he'll shake things just so you know, actually, that's not your source. I'm your source. And this is where you need uh, to come from. So your strength has to come from God alone. Fantastic. And again, the context of this particular scripture is the woman is married to an unsaved man, a non-Christian. So she's getting no strength, no spiritual strength for him whatsoever. And Peter doesn't say, you poor old thing. No, he encourages her to keep going. And this speaks of a woman that's confident and comfortable in who she is and getting on with life and uh, finding her own spiritual strength for herself. Amen. And that's one quality, again, that I, I love about Kath. And again, I think this is why she's such an authority to speak on the issue of submission is because naturally she is so strong. And uh, she is so secure, and uh, she's actually got a, a personality of leadership and a gift of leadership. And so I, I think you just blend the, the strength and the uh, submission really well. It's a credit to you. Well done. Thank you. Awesome. Um, one more question, number six. Um, does submission mean... Living or acting in fear? No, again, no. I feel like I'm saying no a lot. (laughs) Um, Again, it brings us back to that idea of that subservient. I think we think submission is where I just, you know, poor old me and I'm um, brow-beaten and I don't have anything to say or anything to do. I just, I think... That a submitted woman is a strong woman. A submitted woman is a confident woman because she understands that actually, um, because of my submission, I'm, it's what Tony was saying this morning about you can't ask the, you can't have resistance if you're in some form of agreement with the enemy. So when you're submitted, you don't have that battle of. Um, just the negative or the accusing or the understand. No, I've submitted myself here. So the enemy has no right to accuse me in certain areas. And when he has no right to accuse me in certain areas, then I'm confident in what I'm doing because I'm submitted. And we always say when we talk with our leadership team and we're asking certain questions, we always ask for perspective but not for permission. And I just love the fact that, you know, when I'm submitted, I've got the confidence to make decisions and I can do things because I've got the confidence of the backing of my husband. And so that, you know what, he's given me authority and he said I can do certain things. And I just feel that because I'm submitted and I've chosen to do that with the right heart and the right attitude, that I've got the backing of him. And more importantly, you've got the backing um, of God. And I just feel that when you are submitted, you're just confident. You just go, you know what, I, un- I know that um, I've laid that out to God and I know that he is happy and he's pleased with me. And like the, um, Tony shared this morning, that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. But when you're submitted, 
the enemy doesn't have an area to accuse you so you don't struggle with the insecurity or you don't struggle with the fear or you don't, not that you don't struggle because things will come up, but you're not living in that area. That's great. It's fantastic. Have you enjoyed that? It's good. We've um, obviously presented the questions in such a way that every one of them came up as a no because they are the questions that people ask and it's out of a wrong understanding of what submission is mm. and so when people ask us a question we have to undo what people understand of submission but maybe just in, in closing Kath uh, how would you define submission yep. and maybe a few practical thoughts around that sure well I just wrote down that um, I would define submission in marriage like this submission is the divine calling of a wife to honour and affirm her husband's leadership and so help to carry it through according to her gifts. And I think just uh, three things for me is the first one is to honour, is to honour you and affirm you as my leader. And when you read in the Bible, you often read of women, when they spoke to their husbands, they called them Lord. I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament and she says, you know, Sarah says, my Lord, when she's talking to Abraham. Now we might not say, Lord, and maybe you would like me <laughs> that to come back in. But, just sir. <laughs> but I think that that has to be the that has to be the inclination and the leaning of my heart. That I might not say, "Hey, Lord, what would you like for dinner tonight?" <laughs> but the inclination of my heart is like if Tony was my king, who had presence himself amongst us. And you think about if the king was here or the queen was here, how you would speak to her, how you would interact, how you would do that. And I think that needs to be just the inclination and the leaning of your heart. When you have that, that's an affirmation of the role that God has placed him with in my life. And I need to express that. I need to demonstrate that. And um, I think one of the ways we do that is is by speaking well of him. I always say to women, there's no way that you should get together with your girlfriends and be slagging off about your husband. I don't care how bad he's been to you. You can come to me or a pastor and ask for some help in that area, but you don't get together and have a nice little um, Tony over dinner. We're going to talk about Tony and what he does wrong and this and that, but it's like you don't do that. We're talking about honouring and affirming, and he might be doing some things that are wrong, but I want to get some help in that area, but... Publicly and before others, I will never say, oh, Tony did this and oh, Tony did that. And never to your kids. Never to your kids. He's my husband. He's their father. And again, that image of Father God to them, I don't want to be belittling that in their minds. Again, if there's some things that are not right and doing wrong, we will go and get help with that. But I never want to be um, belittling him in front of the kids or other women, and not getting too familiar, and just, oh, it's just Tony. So you know what? I might not call him Lord. Maybe after tonight he'll make me call him Lord, or ask him to. But honestly, in my heart, I see, you know what? Here's the thing. If he's my Lord, I'm his queen. So it depends on how you want to look at it, and I don't mind being called queen. So if if he's going to call me queen, then why why shouldn't I call him Lord? So honour and affirm him as your leader. Encourage him. I don't think our husbands ever get enough encouragement. I know I've spoken with the women at certain significant women events about we're supposed to be our husband's biggest cheerleaders. We do it with our kids because you know what? Life is going to knock stuff out of them. I'm not going to tell them, well, that was a dumb idea. Just, you know, well, cool, maybe next time. Just like encourage them. 
because they're not, they're not going to get it at work. They probably don't get it with their mates. They're, not, they're only going to get it from you. And if they do get it from work or their mates, it's the wrong reason and the wrong area in which they should get it. We should be their biggest cheerleaders. Just say, I love the way you do that. Hey, I love that. I teach my, our kids all the time. And so we just went away for five days. And on the plane home, I just said, Tony, thanks for bringing me away. You know what? Now, you could go, well, you both earn money. You both spent it. No, I, Tony, thanks for bringing me away. Thanks for making the time that we could actually spend some time together. And I teach our kids the same. Hey, Bailey, we've, we went to SeaWorld, just Bailey and I. When we get back, just can you thank Dad, please? This is why you need to thank him, because he earned the money that you could do this. He brought you here, just teaching them how we affirm and encourage uh, one another. And then um, the third thing is just to help him as my leader. The Bible says that I'm an Ezer Kenedgo, which is a sustainer beside him. God has created me to come alongside and to work together. And there's gifts and talents that I have that I don't want to hold back and um, not use, but they're in there for me to be a complement to this man so that together we can be a force. And so God's given me talents. Um, and one of the questions, often women say, well, I'm clearly more gifted than my husband. So what do I do? No, I'm not talking about me. I'm saying women come to me. <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe you can answer that question. I, uh, I actually agree. I think you are more gifted than me. No. I actually think most women are more gifted than most guys. They're the multitaskers. We just suck at most things. We really do. <laughs> um, and so this notion, well, hang on, why should I submit to my husband? Because I'm clearly more gifted. Um, God knew what he was doing when he said, woman, submit, knowing that you are more gifted. I want that to sink in. Young man who is yet to find the woman of your dreams, when you do know this, you'll probably be more gifted than you are. And uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, women are often smarter than men. Um, but can I just say this, that competency doesn't make you a better leader. You may outclass your husband in five areas. You may be better with the finances. You may be better with hospitality. You may be more intelligent, etc., etc., etc. But it's got nothing to do with what the Bible's talking about when it talks about biblical leadership. And so if you have a highly gifted woman, thank God for her. But my question to you men is this. Men... Can you get your family in a room together? Yeah? You don't have to be too gifted to do that. Can you get your family to do devotions? That's not too big an ask. You don't have to be too gifted to do that. Can you say, let's take our Bible and I want you to read... Out aloud, your favourite verse. Don't be too gifted for that. Can you say at the end of your devotions, let's pray. That is more to do with the biblical leadership that this passage is speaking about. Not as the leader, you've got to be able to do the finances, you've got to do the cooking and the cleaning and you've got to be able to do everything. No. You've got to bring the leadership. 
That's what God had in mind. It's about the man saying, honey, let's, not leaving it for the wife to say let's. And because you've got a highly gifted, highly motivated, highly skilled woman, what you initiate, she'll be able to put into practice more often than not. But our role as men is to provide the initiative and the leadership. Kath looks after all of our finances. But I direct where the finances go. So let's not spend that anymore. Let's spend it here. Let's give here. Let's increase our giving. But Kath oversees our finances. Does that make sense? And so you don't have to be highly gifted. You don't have to be the smartest kid on the block. My advice to the men, you gave three things. Let me give you three things and we're done. Number one, love her. And when I say love her, let your love be seen and heard. It's not enough to say, I told her I loved her on my wedding day and that's enough. No, tell her you love her every day. I tell Kath I love her every day. I do. do. And there's not a night when we wouldn't go to bed and I wouldn't just fall asleep just with my hand on her leg. It's pretty sexy, huh? You have exchanged me for a pillow the last couple of days. <laughs> I do. I just, Sorry, it's, it's our joke. It's, 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 joke. Just, it's, just, it's just my thing. and It's not in the Bible. It's just, just my thing. I, I remember only last week, just before going to hospital, just coming out of hospital, and Jordan was in the kitchen and I was in the kitchen with mum. And mum goes, what can I get for you? I said, nothing. Got you. That's enough. And I wasn't aware that Jordan was there. I knew she was in the room, but I wasn't aware she was there listening. And she just goes, goals. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's goals? I'm like, what? But it's like relationship goals, hashtag thing. So let your love be seen and let it be heard. So love her. Number two, feed her. Feed I'm her. a good example of that. <laughs> I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about words of encouragement. Yeah. I'm talking about speaking positively over her. You know, Kath's blessed many of you with her preaching over the years and again here tonight, but there was a time she didn't want to do that. And I had to feed her and encourage her to do that. And if I hadn't have done that, she never would have blessed you the way she has over the years. I've had to bring that out of her. And it's the greatest privilege I have as her husband, to be able to grow her and bring the gold out of her. So men, love her and feed her and then lead her. And the best way to lead anyone is by example. Leadership's all about being the first one. And so when it comes to church, be the first, be ready first. When it comes to saying sorry, be the first to say sorry. You should be the one who says sorry first. When it comes to putting money in the offering, as a man of the home, you should be the one who's doing it first because you're setting the tone, you're setting the example. Love her, feed her, and lead her. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. 
If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 